Psalms 27, continuing through the book of Psalms. And this is an amazing time as we're going to get into God's Word this evening because what we're going to do is really go through the Psalms, a few Psalms, and we've titled today's message, Why Should I Be Afraid? Why Should I Be Afraid? Now there's a lot of things taking place in our world around us that would cause fear in our lives. We just heard recently of the explosion of, that took place in Lebanon, the Middle East. And as we look closely at the events that are taking place around our world, it's very easy to become fearful. It's very easy in the season that we're going through, through a global pandemic as we have been introduced to earlier this year, to have fear in our lives as to what's going to happen. I think that the anxiety levels and people, the suicide levels have gone up, the depression levels as well. And it's so important that we know where we stand as believers. Where do you stand as a believer? And the question today that you should ask yourself is not, why am I going through these trials? But the question that we should ask ourselves is, am I in the will of God? <laughs> not why am I going through these trials, but am I in the will of God? Because when you're in the will of God, you can confidently say, it is well with my soul. <laughs> Have you heard of that hymn? It's an old hymn and it's an amazing hymn. And I was reminded of that hymn when reading Psalms 27, that you can say it is well with my soul regardless now of what's taking place around us because we find ourselves in the will of God. Imagine just somebody asking you, how are you right now or where are you? And you responding, I'm in the will of God. That's where I'm at. <laughs> That's where I find myself. That's where my life is right now. I'm in the will of God. I was reading a book recently, and it said this, this awesome, encouraging quote that I want to read to you that says this, Look to at others and be distressed. Look at self and be depressed. Look to Jesus and you'll be blessed. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Look at others and be distressed, look at self, and be depressed, look to Jesus, and you'll be blessed. I pray that today you will look at Jesus so that you can be blessed, that you not look at others, that you wouldn't look at self, and the theme of chapter 27 of Psalms is that God offers help for today, and He offers hope for tomorrow. God offers help for today, and He offers hope for tomorrow and here what we're going to see is that David is unwavering in his confidence now in God and that our antidote for fear and our antidote for loneliness is found in the presence of God there are a lot of areas or a lot of resorts or a lot of places that you can go to to try to find now a healing or a specific now uh, treatment for loneliness or depression or anxiety yes but the best treatment the permanent treatment that you will find to heal now or to treat now that distress in your life is only found in the presence of God can you say amen to that amen. and here he's saying this Psalms 27 as he is anointed king but he's running away from his enemies. And Psalms 27 is actually a declaration of faith. It is a very well-known psalm. Many songs that we sing today have come from Psalms 27. 
Whom shall I be afraid? If God is for me, then who can be against me? Whom shall I fear? All the songs that you hear today and many hymns of the past have come from this very well-known psalm, Psalm 27. And I pray that today it would be beyond a psalm. It would not only be a psalm, but that it would be a song that your soul is singing. Why should you be afraid today? You know what the horrible thing about fear is? Is that fear paralyzes you. Fear now causes you to retreat instead of advancing in what God has for you. Fear will make you ineffective. Fear will make you unfruitful in tapping into and spending time in everything that God has for you and for your life. But notice here, we're going to talk about three different types of fear and how to overcome them. Number one, the fear of circumstances. What if? I don't know. Uncertainty. Number one, the fear of circumstance. How to overcome the fear of circumstance. Number two, how to overcome the fear of failure. And also, how to overcome, number three, the fear of the future. <laughs> Have you ever been scared or fearful when it comes to now circumstances? Or maybe fear of failure or maybe fear of the future. These three major things. Now let's go ahead and pray and ask that the Lord would bless this time as we go into His Word. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank You, God. And we pray right now, Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, God, that You would speak to us, Lord. That we ought to overcome fear. You haven't called us to be living in fear or to be in bondage to fear. And I pray maybe that if we've come today or we're listening online that we would not and no longer let fear rule over our lives this way. We choose to look at you so that we can be blessed. Because in you is the permanent solution, Lord. And where we can find victory to overcome fear. And we pray this all in your name, in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. It says this, Psalms 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Notice that. The Lord is the strength of my life, it says. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord. Notice this. One thing. And that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty. Notice this. Of the Lord. And to inquire or to pray. Notice. Encircle this in your Bible. Become a student of God's word tonight. In His temple. You see here that as we picked up from Psalms 26 to Psalms 27, here David has an absolute hunger to be at church in the house of God. He has an absolute desire now that he knows that every single one of his needs are going to be met in the presence of God and in the house of God. Every need is going to be met in the presence of God and in the house of God because as believers come together to pray for one another, to lay hands for one another, that there is power in the gathering of the church. Now notice here, he says this, Psalms 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? Now here he's talking about fear of circumstances. In moments of darkness and in moments of danger. You know why he says my light and my salvation? Or he is my saving light. The Lord is my saving light. Why is he our saving light? Because he is our light in the darkest moments. And he is our salvation in the moments of danger. Now notice here, David is running from his enemies. He's gone through some very dark moments of his life. And, and I love this because the Psalms were written as he's running away, as he's hiding in caves. There's often times that we think that the Psalms were written in moments where he's in, in, the, in his kingdom, in, in the throne now, and sitting and, and ruling. No, but the most beautiful songs that we have are when David is crying out to the Lord desperate for help. Do you see that those are some of the most beautiful moments in where God gives you a song or He speaks to you or He has communion and fellowship with you or there's an intimacy when you're crying out to Him in desperation? Or here He says, Lord, You are my saving light. You've delivered me from darkness and You delivered me from danger. Why or from whom or to whom shall I be afraid? Why should I be fearful? You are my fortress. You are protecting me from danger. Why shall I tremble why shall i be afraid notice this and what he's saying here church is that he understands that when he has fear for god he no longer has to have fear or he no longer has fear for anything or anyone else it is when you have true fear for the lord that then you no longer have fear for anyone else or of anything else and notice as he goes and he says it in verse 1, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. He's the strength of my life. He is my support. In fact, when evil attack me, they stumble and they fall. And he continues here in verse 1. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh or to kill me, and my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army encamp against my heart or against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I shall be, notice this, confident. What, are he's, what is he going to be? Confident. Are you feel, filled today with fear? Or are you filled today with confidence? Confidence that you cannot fabricate. Confidence that you can't make up. Confidence that you can't find anywhere else but in the Lord. Do you see that here he comes and he's confident? He's courageous now. He's unafraid even though he's being chased now. I will remain confident. This is what he's saying here in verse 2 and 3. Even when an army is opposing me, even though when I'm overwhelmed and I'm surrounded, in this I will remain. I will remain confident. Because those that are coming against me, they're stumbling and they're falling now. But I'm not going to let fear stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Notice this. I, I love this because it shows confidence. Where does this confidence come from? Ask yourself, where does godly confidence come from? Why is it that he can say, even though an army comes against me and encamps or surrounds me now and I'm overwhelmed by my enemies and by danger and by darkness, why should I be afraid or whom shall I fear? Where does this confidence and courage come from? Where it comes from verse 4. It comes from a godly priority. You see, we get confidence because we have a godly priority of one thing, fellowship. One thing. Notice there, 
one thing I have desired of the Lord. There's one thing that I want from God. In fact, how many things do you want? And what is it that you're asking for recently? Because here what David is saying is one thing I've asked of the Lord. This is my desire. It's a godly desire. It's a desire that God is going to honor. And oftentimes what we desire are many things. We desire a lot of carnal things, a lot of fleshly things. Things that are going to only satisfy our flesh and our nature. Things that are going to get us comfortable, but here the confidence that he has, he has it because of verse 4, that he desires fellowship. He desires intimacy. He desires prayer. He desires worship. He desires communion now. He desires devotion. When you have a strong devotional life, guess what? Your life is also filled with courage and boldness. In fact, you are only as strong as your last devotion. You're only as strong as your last devotion. And, and I say that to also say that if you're not having devotion, think about what kind of spiritual life you're living. What kind of spiritual life are you living right now? Notice this, because he goes, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. I am going to seek this. That's what I'm going to seek there. My godly desire, that's what I seek the most. That's what he's saying. One thing I've desired... And that's what I'm going to seek the most. I'm going to seek. I'm going to, this is going to be my aim. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord on Sundays. <laughs> no, that's not what he says. That I may dwell on the house of the Lord when I have health. Or when things are going good. Is that what he's saying? No. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord and circle this because this is for today all the days of my life you think about that did he say one day or two days no I have a desire and I just want to be at church all the days of my life I just want to be in the temple all the days of my life I just want to be in fellowship all the days of my life that's what I'm going to seek the most and we've said it before and we will say it again I pray that you don't work church around your schedule, but you work your schedule around church. Because this is where you need to be. This is where you belong. This is one thing that I will do. I will seek the Lord because if I don't have a life, if I don't have now a life that is filled with days in the house of the Lord or all my days in the house of the Lord, think about how you're going to live outside of fellowship. He's saying, I want to be in fellowship. And this is what I'm going to seek all the days of my life to behold or to focus or to meditate or to live in the house so that I can delight now and behold and focus now in the Lord's perfection or in the Lord's beauty. Beauty means so I can look at and admire and be filled with the Lord's beauty, His perfection. What does He want to do in the house of the Lord? And inquire in His temple that I can worship Him and that I can go into prayer. I want to come to the church so that I can worship Him. And I can go into prayer now. I can, I can, that beauty now that He speaks about is so that I can contemplate the riches of His goodness. <laughs> do you see that that's exactly what we do when we go into prayer? When we go into worship? I want to go into the house of the Lord and spend there all the days of my life. So that I can contemplate the riches of His goodness in worship and in prayer. And that's what I want to seek. I want to meditate in that. 
in the riches of his goodness. I want to inquire. Now notice this because number one, what he wants to do is pray. And we're going to see here in verse 6 that he also wants to worship. He's talking about a corporate prayer and a corporate worship. Notice, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me. Look at this. In the time of trouble, when he has hunger for the presence of God, he knows that this is his priority in life, to be at church. He knows that seeking the presence of God is his highest purpose in life. This is your highest purpose in life, to seek the presence of God. But notice this, and in times of trouble, I will be satisfied in his presence. I will be protected in his presence. You see that in times of trouble, you will be satisfied only in one place. It's in his presence. And in times of trouble, look what the Lord's going to do. Look at the protection. I love this. In times of trouble, he shall hide me in my house. <laughs> I think recently, that's all we want to do. We want to hide at home. And look what he says. In times of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion. I love that. The word pavilion now, wait, it's not a word that we use a lot. But it means in his sanctuary or in his secret place. I love that. You think about how God has a special secret place in a sanctuary to hide you. Now, what is he saying here? In times of danger, the safest place to be at is in his sanctuary. <laughs> I love that. Because it's an encouragement for us today. In times of danger, the safest place to be at is at church. There's a dangerous thing that we can even allow ourselves to go into the temptation of thinking it's too dangerous to go to church. We cannot do that. In fact, we have to be so spiritual in our minds that we have to say even amid dangerous circumstances, I must go to the house of God because that's where I find refuge. That's where I find safety. That's where I find healing. That's where I find restoration. That's where I find renewal. Do you see how he says here, in times of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his what? Of its tabernacle. That is the safest place he wants to be at. In fact, it says, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. High upon a rock, he said, he's going to put me out of reach of my enemies. I love that. He's going to put me in a place where danger cannot touch me when I'm in a safe pavilion and I'm in a secret place. Now notice, when he's in the secret place, when he's in the intimate place, when he's in the place of communion, that one place in his highest purpose, the only place where he wants to be, look what's going to happen. He's not only going to be protected, but he's going to also do this. And now, here it says, verse 6, My head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. He's going to protect me. He's going, I'm going to rise above my enemies. I'm going to rise above the threats. I'm going to rise above the danger. He's going to lift me above my enemies that are all around me. Oh, they're all around me. The danger's all around But he, I'm going to rise above it in a secret place. Therefore, because of that, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Now, what does he say? I'm going to offer sacrifices of doubt in the house of God. I'm going to offer sacrifices of fear in the house of God. I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy in the house of God. Where's the joy in the house of God today? Today, there must be sacrifices of joy because God now is protecting us in His secret place and in His pavilion now. And I can go to the house of God and, and offer Him a sacrifice of joy now. 
That's exactly every time when you come to church, you, 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 you must be filled with joy. Have fear in the house of God. This is a place of joy because we're in the presence of God. And maybe, yes, we're filled with fear oftentimes when we come and we give those fears to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to offer you a sacrifice, not of doubt, but of joy. After even look at spending time in the Word of God and in worship, guess what should be the result of that? Joy in His tabernacle. Notice this. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. You see how David, he is full and hungry for the presence of God. He says, I will sing. Now in verse 4, he says, I will inquire in the temple. In verse 6, he says, I will sing in the tabernacle. Now this is amazing. Because it speaks about a corporate, again, prayer and worship that we need to cultivate in order to be that full body of Christ now. And we see that he's committed to the presence of God. And he's examining his circumstances, his enemies. He's examining all of this from heaven's point of view. We should examine everything that comes our way from heaven's point of view. Where does God want me today? Because wherever God wants me, notice this, that's where I want to be. Wherever God wants me, that's where I want to be. Now let's keep reading here because we see that not only did he have this confidence here in verse 1 through 6, and you ask yourself, what, what is it that has this public confidence? Why does he have this public confidence that many of us often need? Well, the public confidence that David had had to do everything with his private obedience. You want public confidence? Then it must come from private obedience. He took time to fellowship with the Lord. He took time to get direction from the Lord. And David knew that the most important part of his life and the most important part of your life is the part that God sees. The most important part of your life is not the part that people see. The most important part of your life is the part that God sees. Are you spending time with Him? Are you spending time with Him? Because that part, David was unwilling to negotiate. There are often times we negotiate. Should I go to church or should I do this other thing? Should I pray or should I just watch TV? Should I read my Bible or should I go and hang out with a friend? And we start to consider different options. He said, I'm not going to negotiate when it comes to prayer, to worship, and to being in the temple of the Lord. That is something I don't negotiate with. Now notice here in verse 7 through 10, when it comes to fear of failure. He says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy on me. As he's looking, he's saying, Lord, he wants to overcome failure. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face. Oftentimes, God says, seek my face. My heart said to you, Lord, your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. How many times has God spoken through the Holy Spirit and says, seek my face, my son, my daughter? Seek my face. And you say, Lord, I'll seek your face after I watch my show. <laughs> now, do you see the instant obedience now that David said, Lord, I know you wanted me to seek your face. So your face is exactly what I'm going to do. He had an obedient response without excuses. He said, Lord, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming, Lord, into your presence. Your face I'm going to seek. That's where I want to be, Lord. In fact, he says, my heart, you said your face, O Lord, I will seek. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Lord, I know that, that, that maybe you are angry, Lord, because of my shortcomings. But Lord, don't abandon me in your anger. Because you have always been my help. You have always been the God of my salvation. Notice what it says. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. You've always been there, Lord. And because you've always been there, when you say, come seek my face, I, my response is, your face, Lord, will I seek. How many times do you seek different now people or things or entertainment and you think that's going to minister to you? You think that's going to help you? The best place to receive your help, your salvation, is from the face of God. In verse 10, look what he says now. When my father and my mother forsake me, even when my family fails me, and the closest around me abandon me, then, Lord, then the Lord will take care of me. He's going to hold me close. He's going to take care of me now. And from verse 11 to verse 14, he's going to talk about the fear of the future. This is the fear of the future. When you want to really overcome fear of future, pray this prayer from verse 11 to 14. Teach me. Look, notice this. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Isn't that what we need, Lord? Teach me and take me through the safest route, Lord. I don't want to go through a route that you don't have for me. Teach me and lead me how to live a right life in a right path because of my enemies. I want, Lord, to be with you. And I'm waiting for you, Lord. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. They're breathing out threats, Lord. They're breathing out lies, God. And I need you, Lord. Now notice this. There was a confidence in the beginning of the chapter. Now he's crying out to God for the future now battles that he's going to face. Now do you see how wise David is? One victory in your life doesn't guarantee that the enemy is going to stop attacking. Notice this. When you have a mountaintop experience in victory with the Lord, what's waiting for you down below is another attack. And we should be watchful after victory just as we were before the battle. We should be watchful after the victory just as you were before the battle. Because this is exactly what David is saying. I know that in the future enemies are going to come again. But he's confident in this. Verse 13. I would have lost heart. I would have been discouraged. I would be afraid unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh Lord, I would be afraid about what's coming my way. I would be afraid of the rest of 2020. <laughs> I'd be afraid of the next month. I would be afraid. I would be discouraged. Unless, notice this, unless I believe, unless I had believed. Therefore, I'm not afraid. Therefore, I have not lost heart because I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see the goodness of God as long as I'm living. I would be afraid, but I'm confident that I'm going to see the goodness of God the days that I'm living. I want you to be open to be able to understand, to discern the goodness of God. You know, oftentimes that we lose that prayer life or that life of devotion, the life of worship. We also lose the discernment, the spiritual discernment to be able to now see the goodness of God in your life. Have you lost 
that vision for the goodness of God in your life? Because he's saying, I, I would have been discouraged, but I'm confident that I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And notice what he says here in the very last verse of uh, this chapter. Wait on the Lord. Is that something that maybe we like doing? No, it's not. Wait on the Lord, it says here. I'm confident I'm going to see His goodness, but I also must wait so that I can see His goodness. Well, what's going to happen in three months or in six months or in a year? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to be healthy? Or is the, are things going to go back to normal? I don't know, but I also know that God is good. And if I know God is good and my trust is in Him, then the future is in His hands. And I might not know the future, but I know who holds the future. And that's the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Expect the goodness of God. I know I'm going to see His goodness. I'm going to expect it now. Now notice what he says. I'm going to expect it. I'm going to be courageous now. I'm going to strengthen now my heart. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen. What does it say? Your heart. Now I can just imagine David talking to all his mighty men. The mighty men of valor. The mighty men of David. David's mighty men. And he's there in front of a cave. He says, God, guys, let's just wait on the Lord. He's going to strengthen our hearts. Be of good courage now. Wait, I say on the Lord. Notice in two verses, he gives us the exhortation to wait. To wait patiently of God. Instead of rushing ahead, he says, wait on the Lord. Have faith and have patience. In fact, I love this because in the prior verse, it says, unless I would have believed faith in verse 13. And now, verse 14, patience. Did you see that? Verse 13, unless I would have believed, unless I would have faith. And then in verse 14, patience. What does this teach us? That faith and patience always go together. Yes, the Lord has given you faith, but faith and patience, guess what happens? Those are two characteristics that we must do and we must know that they go together when it comes to waiting on God. I have faith in the Lord for this next season. But with that faith, I'm also going to learn to wait on the Lord now. And notice that he's expecting. He's not discouraged now. He knows that there is a battle. He's encouraging them as he's patiently waiting in the presence of God. I love what Isaiah 28 verse 16 says. Write this down. Isaiah 28 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion. I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. If you have faith in the Lord, you're not going to act hastily. That's what it says. You're going to wait for His timing and wait for His actions. Wait on the Lord. Wait for His timing and wait for His actions now. This is amazing here because he's saying, we're going to wait on the Lord. And he knew this from experience in his life. Notice, David was about 16 years old when he got anointed the first time to be king. He didn't become king of the entire nation of Israel until he was 30. Now think about that. Somebody anoints you to be king and says, you're going to be king. But all through the rest of your teen years and all through your 20s, you're saying, I'm still waiting for what God called me to do. We hate waiting. But here he knew what it meant to wait on the Lord. When you wait on the Lord, do you know that he renews you while you're waiting on him? That he refreshes you, that he leads you, that he's teaching you. And I want you to know there is no wasted time. There is no wasted time in the will of God. And he, if he has called you to wait, you are not wasting time waiting. Oftentimes you want to choose second best because you refuse to wait. 
And you want to say, Lord, I'm going to help you. <laughs> the Lord is saying, I don't need your help. You need my help. So wait. So wait. I uh, read a quote that was so impactful. I'll read it to you guys, which says this of an anonymous author who wrote, on every level of life, from housework to the heights of prayer, in all judgments and in all efforts to get things done, notice this, in all your efforts to get things done from housework to the heights of prayer, hurry and impatience are sure marks of the amateur. You know, what's, you know who wants to be hurried and impatient? Those are marks of the amateur. We don't want to wait oftentimes because we're uncomfortable waiting. Because we want that season now. But those are signs of someone that hasn't been spending time with the Lord. You see, because when you spend time with the Lord, guess what you have when it's time to wait? You have something that you cannot have unless you spend time with the Lord. And that's this word, peace. Peace. When God has you wait and you've been in His presence, you have peace about waiting. You have peace about waiting. Because you know that He is doing something in you that you know nothing of. And you want to be a part of that. You want Him to continue to do that. In you and around you. Now let's read chapter 28 today. And we'll just do two chapters today. Since we took our time with uh, chapter 27. This is an amazing just portions of scripture. But in chapter 27 and 28, we see that he's praying as he's surrounded by troubles or wickedness. And he's praying and he says, Lord, I know you are a real source of safety. And you know, we know, Lord, that prayer is our best help when trials come our way because it keeps us in communion with God. Now notice this prayer keeps you in communion with God. He's going to request in the first five or six verses and then he's going to rejoice at the end. How many praise reports do you have recently to share? What do you have to be grateful for recently when it comes to your prayer life? Is there a prayer life? Or are you too busy talking to everyone else that you don't spend time talking to the Lord? Every single one of the Psalms is about communion with God. Every single one. Notice this. To you I will cry, O Lord my God. Do you see how he... I, I love this because he's saying, Lord, I'm crying out for help. Look at his honesty. He's going to request from verses 1 through 6... It's all requests. To you I will cry, O Lord, you are my master, but you are my rock, Lord. I call on you for strength. My rock is my strength. He's my stability. In fact, he says, Lord, don't be silent to me. Lest you, if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Lord, don't ignore me or else I would be just like everyone else who is hopeless. In fact, verse 2, it says, hear the voice of my supplications. Hear what I am praying for. Hear my request, God. When I cry to you, when I lift up my hands towards your holy, notice this, sanctuary. 
Man, this, I mean, you can't even make this up. This is Bible. Listen to me, Lord, when I'm lifting up my hands towards where? Your holy sanctuary. You see that posture that David had? What is the posture that he had? He said, Lord, I have a posture of prayer and my hands here are here in surrender. My hands are here in to say, Lord, use me. Hear my voice, Lord. My hands are risen up, Lord. And he cried out to the Lord, but he's saying, Lord, I, I, don't, I can't see you answering. I, I feel almost that you're ignoring me, but he's learning a lesson. And it's a very important lesson. It's a lesson that me and you must learn here when we're praying, we're crying out to God. Our hands are lifted up in the sanctuary. And we, don't, we don't seem to, to, to hear the answer to that prayer request or to see it answered before us or, or answer manifested now. But it's an important lesson that you must learn that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. There's often sometimes that God's saying, I'm going to give you that, but not now. Do you see that waiting is not only about faith and about peace, it's also about His timing. Do you want to be in His timing or do you want to be in your timing? Whose timing would you rather be in? You know, growing up, you play soccer, and I've always loved this because it's so just vivid in my mind that soccer players, if you're a forward and you're going to score and you know, in our lives, we want these big wins, these big goals, these big scoring on our behalf. But if you get off sides in the soccer field, if you get off sides, the referee now calls and blows the whistle and marks you offside. And it doesn't matter what you did. If you score, if you did the best play, if you did the best pass or the best assist, if you were offsides, whatever happens offsides didn't really matter because you were offsides. Think about how many times the Holy Spirit calls on our, and says, you're offside right now. This is not where I want you to be. This is not where you should be. And anything you do over here, ahead of the Holy Spirit, ahead of where God wants you, has absolutely no spiritual benefit. Has no spiritual benefit. Now notice this as he's crying out. And I love this because he's saying, Lord, I'm hearing now your voice and I'm wanting to learn what it means to wait for your timing now. And he goes on in verse 3, Do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil in their hearts. Lord, don't take me away. Don't associate me. Don't account me. Don't treat me like I'm one of the enemies now. Those who speak good things, but in their heart is evil in their hearts. In fact, he goes on, he says, Give them according to their deeds and according to their wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. Now, is David now trying to get even? Is he asking for revenge on his enemies? He's not asking for revenge. No, he's not asking that. He's asking God to fulfill his promises and his covenants and to bring righteousness and peace into that land that he had promised David. Saying, Lord, answer me and deal with them. <laughs> Lord, I want to be in your timing. Deal with them. Now notice in verse 6, because he rejoices. He rejoices in verse 6 and in verse 5. As we continue reading, we see the prayer. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord. Deal with them because they don't regard or respect the things of the Lord. Nor the operation of his hand, nor the works of his hand. He shall destroy them and not build them up. God will allow them to fall, he's saying here. 
he will pull them down and not build them up again. Now notice verse 6, as he rejoices, Blessed be the Lord, he has heard the voice of my supplications. Praise God, because he has heard my voice. Oftentimes, you don't think that God hears your voice, because he's waiting for you to hear his. There are many times we say, Lord, hear my voice. And the Lord answered, have you even heard mine? Before you can expect Him to hear your voice, you must be ready to hear His. That's what communion is called. Communion means you go and you listen and you wait for His timing and you have peace and then you say, Lord, I bring you my request. Here it is. Now notice as we continue reading, the Lord is my strength, number one, my shield, my heart trusted in Him and I'm helped. He gives me the strength to go on. He's my shield. He gives me the protection. Do you, do you see how he's rejoicing now that he is my safe cover now? I trusted in the Lord and guess what? I'm help now. My help comes from trusting in the Lord. My help doesn't come from anywhere else or anything else. It comes from trusting in the Lord. And, and notice this attitude of thanksgiving now. This attitude of praise now. This, this response now. That he's saying, I trusted it in you. My faith was in you now. And faith, now notice this, faith really moves the hand of God in your life now. And the hand of God is the hand that controls the universe. <laughs> and notice how he goes here. He, he had strength to obey now. He's, he's turning this painful experience into a song of praise that is left as a witness for our encouragement. And he says this in verse 8 or verse 7. Therefore, because I'm helped, because you have helped me, therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. Amazing. And my song, and with my song, I will praise Him. I'm praising Him. I'm worshiping Him because He has helped me. The Lord is there. It says here, verse 8, The Lord is their strength. And He is the saving refuge of His anointed. He goes on. And He says this, Save your people and bless your inheritance, shepherd them also, and bear them up forever. What is he telling us here? What is David saying? Lord, thank you, God, for now bringing deliverance and inheritance now to your people. But notice in this very last verse, verse 9, where he says, save your people, bless them, shepherd them, bear them. Now, those are, those are four different things that God wants to do in your life today. Save, Bless, shepherd, and bear. Did you see that in verse 9 here? Please look at your Bible. It's right there. Notice what it says. He wants to save you. He wants to now bless you. He wants to shepherd you. He wants to now bear you. And I love what it says here when it talks about now shepherd you because he wants to feed you with loving care now. Not only feed you with loving care and shepherd you, but he talks about a shepherd who is faithful, who has not forsaken you, that can carry you, but also that can carry your burdens. You see that? What do you need today? You need the Lord to shepherd you. You need Him to be your trust and your salvation, that He can shepherd us. We need to be shepherded by the Lord today. We think sometimes that we want to be shepherded by others, but what we really need is to be shepherded by the Lord. We need to be waiting on the Lord. Now, in chapter 29, what we see him doing is that we see him calling out on the great power and the nature of the Lord. And we can trust God. We can have peace now. 
And we can weather the storms of life. We can weather the storms of this life because we're hearing His voice. Now, do you notice that He goes from chapter 28, hear my voice, to chapter 29, I hear your voice. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Chapter 28, hear my voice, God. But in chapter 29, Lord, I'm hearing your voice now. That's where you want to be. Will you hear his voice? When was the last time you heard his voice? Will you heard the voice of God speaking to you? Now, it's 11 verses. We're going to read through them very quickly as we end today. And it's, it's just a song of worship. It says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name, because he is worthy. Honor him. And it says here, Due to his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Why in the beauty of his holiness? Because true holiness is beautiful and it brings glory to God. Now notice this as he goes, the voice. He's going to talk about the voice of the Lord here seven times. Every time he says the voice, underline that in your Bible. The voice. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. And he's going to paint a picture of a storm. That you can hear his voice through the storm. Now notice the descriptive now illustration that he's giving us. A very beautiful panoramic now view of a storm and how the voice of God is illustrated in the midst it says this the voice of the Lord is over the waters the God of glory thunders the Lord is over many waters the storm now the thunder verse 4 the voice of the Lord is powerful it's strong the voice of the Lord is full of majesty or full of glory the voice of the Lord is great the voice of the Lord verse 5 breaks the cedars yes the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon are, are, you thought the sequoias were big. The cedars of Lebanon were 120 foot trees and 30 feet wide. And the voice of the Lord now breaks something that is impressive to people now, was under the complete control of God. Notice that. 120 foot cedars, 30 feet wide, which is impressive to us, is under the control of God because His voice breaks and splinters that. Now notice how he's saying how the voice of the Lord is so full of glory. He makes them also skip like a calf. <laughs> That's amazing. Just imagine, he makes that big tree skip like a calf. Have you ever seen a calf skip? Now think about that. When God, when God, his voice comes out and it thunders, that 120 foot high, 30 feet wide tree skips. <laughs> because of how now strong and powerful and dominant the voice of the Lord is. Now it says this, as we continue to read, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. His voice now divides thunder. Now it goes, verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh now. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and skips or strips the forest bare. And in His temple, everyone says, glory. Now let's try that out. And I want you to say it's strong loud, filled with the Spirit, and in His temple, everyone says, Glory. Glory. Amazing. Because of the voice of the Lord now. Now notice verse 10. The Lord sat enthroned. He is enthroned at the flood. Have you ever felt like you are being flooded by things in, in this life? Now think about how He's referring to the flood. Who was sitting on the throne at the flood? Who's sitting on the throne in the storms and in the floods of your life? The Lord is sitting enthroned at the flood. Maybe you feel like there's a storm or a flood coming your way. Remind yourself who is enthroned at the flood. I, I love this here because He's given us encouragement for today. And the Lord sits as King forever. The Lord will give strength 
to his people. The Lord will bless his people. What is the Lord going to bless his people with? Peace. Peace. Even the greatest storm, even in the greatest storm, God was still in control. He gives you strength and he gives you peace. Strength and peace. And he's going to see his people through every storm of his life, of our life. He's going to see us through every storm of our life if we are now diligent to hear his voice. He's going to now give you direction and bless his people with peace. There's going to be calm and peace after the storm now. And I love this here because he's teaching us that no storm is greater than the voice of God. No storm is greater than the voice of God. Remember that tonight, church. There are many storms that are going to come your way, but there are no storms that are greater than the voice of God. And if you trust God in the storm, the storm will give God the glory. If you trust God in the storm, the storm will give God the glory. I don't know about you, but I want God to get all the glory in this storm. You want God to get glory in this storm? Why don't we stand on our feet and we're going to go ahead and pray. Lord, after the storm, you give us calm, you give us peace, Lord. Lord, we want to be diligent to hear your voice. I want to be diligent to know you more. Yes, I will lift you higher, even in the storms of this life. Can we sing that song, Yes, I Will, to end tonight? John? Lord, we ask God that you would do a work in our lives. We ask so that we would be men and women that are ready to hear your voice.